Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, quipster.net. You can find over 3,600 of my written reviews at my website, quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today, I'm going to be looking at the fifth film in the Terminator franchise. It's called Terminator Genesis. It's a science fiction action thriller. It is a PG-13 film, despite the first two films of this franchise being R-rated, the ones that it's paying most definite homage to. Um, it does have quite a bit of violence for a PG-13 film. There is partial nudity uh, and some brief strong language in the film. The runtime is two hours and five minutes. It stars Amelia Clark, who is playing Sarah Connor. Jai Courtney is playing Kyle Reese. Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing another version of the T-800. Jason Clark is also in the film as John Connor. J.K. Simmons and Matt Smith also get smaller supporting roles. The director is Alan Taylor, and if that name sounds familiar to you, Alan Taylor directed Thor The Dark World, the second of the Thor films, and probably still ranks as my least favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, even though I kind of like it still. Uh, Lyta Caligridis and Patrick Lucier uh, get the screenwriting credits. Arnold Schwarzenegger says in the film, I'm old, not obsolete. And he says that because he somebody points out to him that he's an aging Terminator. Uh, but he does point out that even though he has living human tissue uh, that is on him, that tissue does age like it would for most humans, even though he's very highly functional uh, robot underneath. Unfortunately, if the franchise is going to go down this road in its attempt at what is supposed to be a brand new trilogy that Paramount Pictures is putting out, and w- one which is building on the storyline that was introduced in 1984's The Terminator and 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I would say that it's an interesting case of something that may be both old and obsolete. They say that those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it, but Terminator Genesis definitely hasn't learned about what made James Cameron's first two entries some of the best movies ever made, but they definitely did not repeat them in terms of their quality, despite copycatting entire scenes from them throughout this film. Terminator Genesis starts off in the year 2029, with the end of the rebellion against Skynet headquarters, and that part makes it essentially both a prequel and a sequel to the terminator because we see the t-800 that is played by arnold schwarzenegger of course it's a cgi version uh with a body double here Uh, actually pretty convincing cgi work for uh replicating the original uh look of arnold schwarzenegger from the 1984 film so we see that t-800 go back to 1984 and of course if you've seen the films, obviously you know that he's going to go back to try to assassinate Sarah Connor to make sure that her son, John Connor, will never be born. And therefore, John Connor, who is the head of the resistance against the uh, against Skynet and its uh, its robot horde, uh, John Connor will never never exist to be able to lead humanity to victory against these machines. Following uh, not long behind, just as he did in the first film, uh, to keep uh, Sarah from becoming assassinated is Kyle Reese, a lieutenant uh, working under uh, John Connor, who soon discovers that he and the killer cyborg, 
and this is one of the film's reveals, although it's kind of revealed in the trailer, so I feel like I can reveal it here. He and this uh, T-800 are not the first ones to travel into the past to the timeline he ends up in, because he is soon met by an older form of a T-800 that was sent back even further into the past and became Sarah Connor's protector and also trained her on what to expect for the future. Sarah Connor uh, eventually found him to be kind of a father figure, and he even earned the nickname Pops by her. So it, it, also in this version of 1984, there is an appearance of uh, a, one of those even more dangerous liquid metal type robots called the T-1000, who's out to take them all down. Now, Sarah Connor is fully aware from an early age on what to expect from that will happen in this very key year of 1984. And she doesn't really need protecting as much in this film because she has been uh, under the wing of the T-800 pops. And uh, she does see some need for keeping Reese around because obviously... Reese, uh, if you follow the original Terminator, you know that Reese eventually is will become the father, or at least <laughs> the sperm donor, that will eventually lead to John Connor being born. Now, together, all of these uh, characters keep, seek to keep the Terminators, the evil ones, from killing the seed of resistance in Earth's future, while the humans themselves also s- seek to stop the creation of a program called Genesis, which would be the seed of which what will eventually become Skynet. So it's a race against time through time in order to stop the origins uh, of each other's side in the future. If that makes sense to you, I hope it does, because I'm not going to repeat it. Now, someone somewhere must have looked at the uh, the Terminator films that were done by James Cameron and thought, huh, these movies are hugely popular and they're so well regarded. Now people really love these films and it must be not for the action, not for the direction, not for these actors, not for uh you know the science fiction elements. They must love really paradoxical and nonsensical time travel story elements. How about we make an entire movie built around just these very things? And not only that, but make them even more paradoxical and nonsensical. We'll really try to one-up that from uh, the Cameron films. That will surely mean it will be even more successful, right? (laughs) It seems so. Actually, what's brilliant about the first two Terminator films is that they 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 didn't really make sense at their core. I mean, it's really hard to understand how Kyle Reese could go back in the future and become the father to the guy who ends up sending him back. Um, you know, perhaps you could theorize that this is, the, you know, John uh, Kyle Reese, uh, this isn't the first time he went back, and certainly they theorize that here, but it, 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 it'll make your mind spin. It'll make your mind, your brain hurt trying to come up with rational explanations because they aren't really delivered that well in the movie. But those those Terminator films, even though they had this kind of uh, uh, paradox, still feel those those films still feel very intelligent and thoughtful and philosophical, even though you know they were really built to be very high powered action movies. And you don't necessarily expect a lot of uh, uh, intelligence in a lot of the big blockbuster action movies to begin with. So that's what made them incredibly refreshing and very popular even to this day. So we did suspend our disbelief back then because everything else had been firing on all cylinders. We trusted James Cameron 
to have all his ducks in a row when it came to the time travel hook. So, you know, since everything else was done so well, we never really had to think about what the paradoxes were and the, the time travel and whether it made sense because we felt that this was really well thought out. And so even if it didn't make sense to us, we felt we were in good hands that eventually somebody, eventually Cameron could explain if we if he had to. And so uh, we could put that aside. It's called suspension of disbelief, I guess. And that's what's really needed with the Terminator film and most science fiction films and probably most action films. So it had that. You you definitely did put your disbelief on the shelf in order to gain such great rewards by all of the rest of what the films had going for them. So in addition to being enthralled by the action and thriller elements that that really they were so breathtaking they barely gave us time to think about how John Connor could possibly exist if, if Kyle Reese hadn't been there to conceive him the first time. Uh, you know, they were still grand entertainments. Plus, those movies weren't, you know, they weren't really about the time travel. Even if they used it as a plot hook, they really were about something greater. In addition to being action films, first and foremost, they also had underlying themes. They were really about the fear that we have of technology, of, of artificial intelligence, about this onset that we were engaging in, and, and even as early as the mid-1980s, of this connected world where humanity becomes completely reliant on computers and data servers and, and you know, everything that we do is tied into computers nowadays and you can't do anything without them. Uh, it was very prescient in its era of how the future would be to the point where, you know, it, if somehow our entire world grid were to gain sentience, and we are dabbling a lot with artificial intelligence, but if, if that artificial intelligence were to somehow be able to think on its own, we could, because we're so owned by computers and technology, we could actually be responsible for sealing our own fate. Something that they actually dealt with in the most recent Avengers film as well. And, uh, you know, in addition, those films were also about being entertaining, scary thrill rides that we wanted to visit time and again. You know, it's almost like our own version of going back in time and reliving things. So the problem with Terminator Genesis is that it's all too much about the time travel. It forces us as viewers to wonder what's going on in each scene, trying, mostly in vain, to try to piece together this timeline. And how, how you know, it's a lot like Back to the Future 2 because you go back to the same past and you see characters find each other in, in their other timelines and, and, and eventually it becomes very convoluted. Eventually it gets to the point where the expo- explanations like nexus points and multiple future timelines, those all completely lose our ability as audience members to keep a pace because uh, there's just so much, you know, when, whenever you start dealing with alternate timelines and timelines that actually do exist concurrently and features and past that converge and um, it, 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 you know, without some sort of person there with a diagram trying to explain it step by step, it's just futile. And unlike, say, James Cameron, we gave him the benefit of the doubt of having all of his ducks in a row and being able to come up with this timeline, this this time travel, and have it make sense because we felt that we were, like I said, in good hands. This film never feels that way, and so we we can't trust that that the makers of this film have all of their time travel uh, uh, rationale explained. And so we're trying to do the heavy lifting of, of, of keeping it all 
straight in our minds, and yet there's no confidence here because all of the rest of the movie is not as good. It doesn't have that. It doesn't even give us anything else. So our cre- the, the creative minds are trying to keep us engaged with all of this time travel stuff, and they're tr- they're trying to dazzle us actually with all of this time travel information uh, by trying to be extra clever and introduce new twists to it. But unfortunately, they only seek or they only end up actually uh, confusing us even more. So from my point of view, you know, introducing all of these new time travel elements and ha- you know having all of these alternate timelines and multiple storylines and nexuses and different people existing at two different times and two different places at this, <laughs> all of that. It, it's it's like if they were to, to take the game of baseball and say, you know what, uh, what this game needs is even more rules. We need more. You know, we we need you know take this rule book of Major League Baseball. I don't want to even want just one book. Let's make it a whole encyclopedia of new rules because people love rules. It's a game built on rules, and that's what people come to see baseball for. But of course, by making it so difficult to understand anymore, it loses you lose all joy. You, you're not able to uh, take it for you know when when there's actually more thrilling elements in play. You're so beleaguered by all of these rules you have to keep up with that. Uh, it becomes a chore to try to keep it all together instead of a joy. Now, the Terminator from 1984 and Terminator 2, you know, we gave them free passes because they deli- even, even if you didn't buy the, the time travel storyline, they still delivered big whenever and wherever it counted most. If you wanted fantastic action, there are few better than those films. If you want gripping science fiction... You know, those films are among the best and most influential science fiction films ever made. If you wanted spine-tingling chills, n- nail-biting thrills, you want some choice comic relief, you want state-of-the-art special effects, and a splash of romance and even some sexuality, it has all of those bases covered and then some. It also had big ideas and big themes. It's an action movie with a lot on its mind about the current and potentially grim to trajectory of human existence in our future. Terminator Genesis has none of this stuff. There's almost no build-up involved in to the story at all, and we never have any sense of a palpable danger to anything that's going on, which leaves prolonged action sequences feeling really dull and very leaden, even with as much special effects as they could muster with what surely must have been a nine-digit dollar budget. The humor that's in this film, it's barely in there. It's relegated to just a recurring joke that Pops, the T-800 played by the older Schwarzenegger, doesn't really know how to smile effectively, despite repeated efforts to do so throughout. And in terms of the, the relevant themes that were introduced in the James Cameron films, there's really none of those to be found here. This end-of-the-world scenario is not, isn't built on the ominous warning of the potential danger of reliance on advanced technology so much as it's just a plot point to force onto the rest of the movie in terms of what the potential endgame will be. It's all one big win-lose scenario, and so we're just watching sides try to flip the future back and forth, uh, and, and that really becomes the, the only tie-in. We, we're not... Ca- as concerned about the fate of humanity so much as will humans win or will, you know, artificial intelligence win. And because so many 
entities have gone back into the past and in the future and in the past and in the future and it's all getting very polluted even if one side wins over the other we're not sure that it's really the end so it could just keep on going forever and so we lose all of that interest in what will happen because we feel that even like even if all the humans were to die at the end of this film we feel like oh well in the next film somebody else will go in the past and and rectify that it just it's it's uh they they've kind of painted themselves into a corner and i don't think that this is why i think that the terminator films are old and obsolete because they no longer have the ability to thrill us by having us feel confident that whatever ending that we're going to have is truly the ending anymore in addition in place of all of the moral implications that we get from the film instead of moral implications we get more and more complications as you know this narrative is content to spin its wheels to get a whole lot of nowhere except to give us plenty of fan service throughout through some very trite homage and there are so many callbacks to the to the cameron films you might as well write down before you even see uh, terminator genesis just write down all of the things you remember just from your own memory from the from terminator and terminator 2 classic lines key movie moments and and just sit there with that list and prepare to check the box off of every single one of them as each one of them predicted predictably gets their callback moment now it, it just leaves you to wonder given that paramount has apparently already despite you know de- despite not even knowing how well terminator genesis is going to do in the future they've already given the green light to go ahead and make two more cinematic sequels to after terminator genesis so it's going to be a new trilogy. I, you wonder, what are they going to do for future entries? They've completely shot their wad in terms of the quotes and scenes that they, they can call back to from Terminator and Terminator 2 in this very first entry in this new trilogy. Are they going to keep going back to the past and saying, I'll be back and, and, and you know, come with me if you want to live in every single movie from here on out as they ha- I guess they have in all of the Terminator films thus far so why not you know why change now I guess now Terminator Genesis has one thing that its most immediate predecessor uh, Terminator Salvation lacked and that's the participation of Arnold Schwarzenegger I you know he is a welcome face here but he's really the only thing in the movie that I think gives it any cred as a Terminator film the rest of this production just feels completely off. Amelia Clark is just woefully out of place as Sarah Connor. She just does not have the gravitas that Linda Hamilton, and I'm not saying Linda Hamilton was the greatest actress either, but she really filled those shoes really well. And, uh, it, you know, she really bulked up into, into those movies and, and really had a lot of screen pre- presence, but Amelia Clark just doesn't have the screen presence that she showed in, even in Game of Thrones. And, you know, she, maybe she's only cast because of Game of Thrones. Alan Taylor, who uh, is the director of Terminator Genesis, actually worked with her because he directed several episodes of Game of Thrones. So, um, And she was much more captivating there, and it just doesn't translate here. She seems too small and too... She just doesn't seem very fierce, even though she's been trained since an early age by an actual Terminator to protect herself. She was way more... You know, you, you look at how, you know... And one of the great things about the original Terminator film was that it kind of upended the whole notion that, you know, women only exist in films in order for the man to save. You know, it, it, it turned that trope, you know, Kyle Reese goes back into the past to save Sarah Connor, and yet by the end of the film, it's Sarah Connor that's saving Kyle Reese, or trying to anyway. 
And then by the second film, she is probably the biggest badass that there is. And so, uh, you know, I, you just never feel that Amelia Clark could, could if she, even if she wanted to, even if she worked out and did all this, you know, it, you never feel that she's ever going to fill those shoes. Now, I do want, while we're on the subject of Game of Thrones, I do want to point out that uh, this is a little bit of trivia. It's not consequential at all, but Sarah Connor has now been played by two Game of Thrones cast members because if you think back, Lena Headey played Sarah Connor in uh, the Fox TV show that was on for a couple of years, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. So that's kind of an interesting tidbit for you Game of Thrones fans. Now, I'm not a Jai Courtney hater. You know, a, a lot of critics kind of deride Jai Courtney because he was he was basically pumped up as the next big action hero, but it's never really come about. In fact, almost every movie he's attached to, whatever franchise it is, has been kind of a disappointment from the Die Hard, uh, from Die Hard to you know, you could if you look at his filmography, you could just go down the line and it, it's it, you know he's he's supposed to be this big action hero, and yet any time he appears in the film, um, nothing really comes of it. He, you know, Michael Bean, who played Kyle Reese in the first Terminator film, you know, he's not, he has not necessarily gone on to be a big star, you know, a big box office draw or anything, but he was perfect as Kyle Reese. So it's painful to watch Jai Courtney try to fill the shoes of Kyle Reese. He doesn't, you know, to his credit, he doesn't do an impersonation, but the Kyle Reese that existed in the original Terminator film is so much more relatable. Here, he just feels like a generic hero placeholder instead of an actual hero that we could relate to. Jason Clark, uh, by the way, Jason Clark is no, Emil- no relation to Amelia Clark at all, but he does make for a formidable John Connor, at least at first, but what they do with the character of John Connor, and I won't go into spoilers here, even though the trailer kind of gives it away a little bit, it's just out and out atrocious. I, I absolutely reject the John Connor that we see in this film. I hate it. And so uh, I, I, I I wish he weren't even in the film at all. J.K. Simmons gets a supporting role here as this kind of detective who, who begins to kind of figure out what's going on. And Matt Smith is this guy from the future who, uh, you know, we don't know his angle, but he's there. I don't even think Matt Smith should be in the film at all, except you know, I, I think that at some point somebody thought it would be great, it would be funny to tie in to Doctor Who, who, you know, is one of the original time travelers in science fiction. And so Matt Smith, who's played Doctor Who, you know, on the TV show, well, wouldn't that be great? Um, that's the only reason I think he's here. So without any sense of stakes, without interesting characters, without good humor, without tension, or any real reason to exist except to try to squeeze out just a few more dollars from a franchise that has struggled to find its way back to greatness in Cameron's absence, Terminator Genesis feels like a hamster caught in a wheel and running and running and running without actually going anywhere except back to the place it came from. Like the T-800 itself, it might wear the skin of a living, breathing, thinking, feeling entity, but underneath, if you peel back that skin, it's all mechanics and artifice. It's unfeeling, and it exists only to mimic something else merely enough to gain an opportunity for success. In the next entry, you know, granted that we're, we're going to have two more entries, I if they do go back to 1984, instead of having all of this rigmarole with them jumping back and forth in timelines, if they go back to 1984, I just hope 
we just see them at the very beginning just walk into a movie theater and into a screening of James Cameron's original Terminator film and hope that they just stay there so we can watch that film instead. <laughs> I'm giving Terminator Genesis my lowest grade for any Terminator film thus far, and if you didn't like Rise of the Machines or Terminator Salvation, you'll know what that means. I'm giving it two stars, which means it is a lacking film, and I think in this in this movie, it's just lacking any sense of originality, uh, uh, any inspiration. It is there just to try to to try to dazzle you with more time travel uh, tricks, slice slice of hand, to, because it thinks that it's going to be clever enough to to make you look at the original Terminator films in a whole new way. But uh, by trying to be more intelligent, it just actually ends up being more stupid. Anyway, I hope that even though I didn't give this film a positive review, I hope that you did enjoy and were entertained by my review. Enough to click the subscribe button if you haven't already because I still deliver uh, film reviews of all of the major, minor, independent films and some VOD films. Uh, I even reviewed a Lifetime film not uh, too many episodes ago. You never know what's going to come up, so Click the subscribe button here for the Quipster Film Review Podcast, and uh, I do deliver these on a semi-daily basis, so you definitely want to make sure that when you do down, even if you download once a week, you keep the, you know, the last five or six episodes to make sure that you don't miss any. If you, uh, if you like the show and you want to click, you know, give me a, a review on iTunes, it definitely does help me a great deal every time that somebody gives me a five-star review on there. I definitely see that the subscribers pick up. Um, it gives me better placement. So um, it really makes a difference. So that that's all I ask. I'm not asking you to give me any money or anything like that. But uh, if you do want to write to me directly, it also helps me in terms of encouragement. I, I like knowing that there are people listening out there and to be able to interact with listeners. I'll even read it on the air if, if you want. Uh, you can write to me at quipster at gmail.com. You can become a follower and know whenever I release a new review. Not all of, I don't actually, uh, do episodes, uh, of po- the podcast for every review I write. In fact, any films that are not, uh, theatrical released films or at least in current release, whether it's on VOD or, or what have you, I actually just write a written review. I actually am not going to do that here. I did the Mad Max trilogy, the original one with Mel Gibson, but I think I'm going to not do that for now. So if you want to find, uh, I do go back and write reviews for older films. In fact, I wrote the, uh, just recently I wrote the a review of the original Pitch Perfect film in anticipation of, of actually doing a podcast review of Pitch Perfect 2. And I also, uh, with just within the last week, I wrote a a very lengthy written review for James Cameron's The Abyss. Speaking of James Cameron, so you can find that at my website qwipster.net. You can follow me on Twitter at Quipster and search for Quipster.net on Facebook if you want to give my Facebook page a like. Until next time, thank you, everyone. I hope that uh, even if you do go see this film, I hope that you do enjoy your time at least find something in there worthwhile. And uh, if not, then I, there's a plenty of great movies still out there. Uh, I definitely recommend Inside Out if you haven't seen, seen that already. So anyway, until next time, I hope you enjoy your time at the movies.